You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Hello on a Tuesday. Shows being presented by Haley Sensing, Union Home Mortgage, Large Anderson, Matt Coulter, Hayden Wyatt, and we're all in the same place for a change. So that's pretty cool. Everybody all right? Lars? Doing great. Doing great. Wyatt, what's up in your wool? Nothing much. Just finally good to meet both y'all in person. It's Uh, it's been a minute. I think we've had two opportunities, and finally we've done it. But um, I have no doubt that the best team in college football won the national championship last night. Now, do we agree with their methods and some of their ways of going about business and their head coach? Uh, Probably not. But, Lars, 34-13, I think the score is actually a little closer than 21 points. But they're the man. Yeah. And it was a really nice scene after the game. Jim Harbaugh, you know, swallowing up his 84-year-old dad, Jack, in, in, in a bear hug. And and his mom is there, Jackie, pointing at, at Jim's chest and yelling, you did it, you did it. Really nice, nice moment, nice scene. 15-0 and record. Michigan closes out the season with wins over Ohio State, Alabama, and Washington. Best team in the country. Best team in the country from day one until the final play of the game. So why? Why, why, why? After it was all over, Jim Harbaugh walks into the press conference, meets with the media, what does he feel that he must say? We're, Did he come out with the innocent? Said, we're innocent. Part? Yeah. We're innocent. What? Huh? You're innocent. People got fired. Right? Oh, shall we yeah. uh, count the ways that they're innocent? Why uh, even bring it up, first of all? <laughs> yeah. Uh, a couple of off-field issues. Uh, yeah, so they were so innocent that Jim Harbaugh served a three-game suspension imposed by Michigan to begin the regular season. So innocent that Jim Harbaugh served another three-game suspension to end the regular season imposed by the Big Ten. So innocent. Connor Stallions, the architect behind the sign-stealing And wasn't scheme. he there again? was fired after it became public. Yeah, I, I don't know if he was there last night or not. I think he was. But also so innocent, Chris Partridge, Michigan's linebacker coach, also was fired because, as he said, he failed to comply with uh, the investigators. So innocent that Jim Harbaugh, most likely, leaving college football for the NFL. Well, there's innocent, 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 innocent. Anybody who comes and just says, I'm innocent, I'm innocent. What are they? Guilty. Yeah. Wasn't me. What's the, the, what's the first thing you, that <laughs> goes through guy. your mind when somebody said, "Well, listen, I'm an honest guy." <laughs> but if you got to tell me, you're well, probably not. Also, you you got to tell really, me you're I, innocent. You're probably not. This is just a colloquialism. I get it, but when anybody says, "I'm not going to lie," um, guess on. what? Does that mean that you normally lie? And that's a perfect description. And that's immediately what goes through my mind. Okay. You have to state that you're not going to (laughs) because you have a history of lying your butt off. But, you know, I, and I don't, there are oftentimes I really question some of Harbaugh's decisions, but the decision to come out and say that before you went, I mean, after you won a national championship is just, 
it's beyond poor judgment. It's dumb. Why are you going to bring up the one thing you've been fighting to go 15-0? and 0? Why not talk about the six guys that came back and could have gone pro? The ones you were pointing that's out to the, me earlier? Yeah, that's the That's story. why they won the national championship. Yeah, they, they, their top six leaders on this team all could have gone pro, and they decided to come back, and when the rest of the team witnessed that, man, it just redlined the intensity of everybody in that building. And look, Michigan, the thing is, I don't think they needed to cheat. No. Because this team was good. And and I love how this team was built because it's not through five stars. It's not through uh, having a top three recruiting class each year. It is identifying who fits into your program and then player development. I mean, well done, Michigan. Well done. And, and again, it's a great story because this is a team that doesn't play like most teams that have won national championships in the last decade. It's a team that has rich history but hasn't won a uh, undisputed national championship since the Korean War. It's one of What the, about the one with Lloyd, Lloyd Carr? Was that disputed in some way? Well, it was split with Nebraska. Oh. Oh, and imagine you remembering that. Yeah. Twelve ten. <laughs> hey, you asked. Uh, no, you're right. I did. You're right. <laughs> but still, it's a mention. And you know the 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 fact that Harbaugh played at Michigan. He went back home uh, to his roots and very beloved. But he almost got fired after the COVID season. What was their record? Like three and six or something. Indiana and Michael Penix beat them in the COVID season. Right. Harbaugh nearly fired. But that's the sort of a big picture overview of uh, what just my, my takeaway is that I know Michigan fans are saying there's not going to be an asterisk. There's not going to be an asterisk. You know what? There very well could be. I think there could be. And I mean, we got Nebraska's coach. We got all these different coaches saying these guys are cheating. Coaches in the same Well, and there's proof. There's proof. There's I proof. don't know the, why the, you'd the walk proof, in. The, the proof is in the tape, right? Yeah. Proof I don't is know in why you'd walk in and say we're innocent. I mean, uh, But I tell you what it does reveal to me is that that's so important to him that it must have been an absolute me-against-the-world motivating factor that he used between every single snap. <laughs> Just a me you see what I'm talking about? It was a me against the world attitude. On the field, I kind of like the way Michigan plays. Really, really solid, hard-hitting defense and really, really solid, hard-hitting, running the football. And I think I've got – this is close. They ended up with 303 yards on the ground. But they had about two-thirds of that after the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do want to credit Washington. Like I said, this game – was closer, I think, than the score indicates. And Penix, Michigan threw him off the game in some ways the way they did Milrow. Michigan had more rushing yards in the first quarter uh, against Washington than they did in the entire game against Alabama. Well, we haven't even got to that side of the story of how Alabama fans just must be like, are you kidding me? Had so many chances to put Michigan away in that game. And it's like, this is... This is one that just it got away from Nick Saban. I'm still not I sure. I think it got away from him because I, Michigan now schemed him. I think yes. I think Michigan and Alabama still like are very even 
they played ten times, what, five and five, six and four, maybe either way. Yeah, and if they all play Georgia again, they might all lose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Georgia's a but Alabama beat Georgia. Nobody's arguing that. No. But I don't I will not go against anyone if you want to uh, say Michigan's the best team in the nation because Michigan Wolverines are top and, dog and, big cheese number one. And they one. weren't necessarily, we, at least as we know, we think we know, they weren't cheating when they beat Ohio State, when they beat Alabama, when they beat Washington. That we that, know. That's quite the gauntlet to go through there, last three games of the season. It is. But, um, you want One thing, when you do something like that and get caught, you'll be suspected for the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, even at the NFL level. That's uh, why I'm I'm thinking he's headed to California. I think so. I think he is going to take the Chargers job. I really do. You know, he, he lived in L or he lived in uh, uh, San Francisco before, and now he's going to be heading to L.A. Seems to me. Let's take our first break. When we get back, a couple of issues to address here locally, and that's at Kevin Steele. The rumors are he's retiring, and it has escalated so quickly that people are already predicting who's going to be the next defensive coordinator at Alabama. We'll look into that. Auburn's looking for one too. Auburn's not going to look not going to be looking for a play caller because Hugh Freeze says he's going to do that. And then right before we got on the air, Mike Vrabel was fired. So, we've got a plate full of big noon sports on a sunny but chilly Tuesday afternoon. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A cold and windy afternoon, mostly cloudy. Temperatures settling into the mid to upper 40s. Tonight, clearing with a low at 32. A brighter day tomorrow, a good supply of sunshine, the high 48. Thursday, partially sunny and warmer, the high at 59. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 51 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Brought to you by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker. Matt, Lawrence, Wyatt, the gang is all here. Want to remind you that you can always join the show if you just dial the digits, 205-342-9904. And I noticed that uh, Christian and Corey are getting a lot of response through the app, and I don't plug that enough, but you can go pick up the Tide 100.9 app. allows you to listen and also allows you to ask questions and make comments online. So, Lars, we need to follow through on that more. Now, Kevin Steele, this is his third stint in Alabama. He also had a stint. This is impre- This guy is an impressive defensive coordinator, and I thought he had a great year. But he has also been the D.C. at Clemson, LSU, Auburn, and Miami. In addition to that, he had a short three-year stint with Baylor as head coach. But this, by all reports, and here the one I'm reading here is from Barrett Salee from CBS Sports. But apparently <laughs> he will. is what? No, I like I like Barrett a lot. Oh, but. <laughs> Apparently, uh, Kevin Steele's going to go ahead and retire. And now, on the tee, Lars Anderson, who's going to replace him? I think the replacement's already on staff. But I also, it should be noted what a great job Kevin Steele did in 2023. 
His sort of signature, I think, on the season was his ability to make second-half adjustments. Alabama's defense allowed just 8.4 points per game in second halves this season, uh, one of the best in the country. And uh, Alabama's defense under Steele finished 16th in scoring defense, 18th in total defense, and um, I think one of the things that he really brought was a sense of discipline and accountability to the defense because, remember, it has been defensive penalties that have plagued Alabama over the last few years, and Alabama has improved its uh, total penalties on defense by uh, nearly 30 in, in, in 2023. So... Anyway, good job by Kevin Steele, um, 66 years old, and I think he's just uh, he's ready to get out of the game, man. It's a it's a grind. It's a grind. We we both know that. So I, I think uh, the obvious choice is uh, Travarius Robinson, um, who's been on on the, uh, the uh, Alabama staff as a secondary coach, um, been on staff since 2022. Uh, has extensive SEC coaching experience, Auburn, Florida, South Carolina. Um, to various, uh, he, he had a larger responsibility this season because Steele was up in the box. Uh, Robinson was down on the field. And so he was the one that would relay the call from the booth to the defense. So he's intimately familiar with exactly what was going on every single play. And also, oh, by the way, he coached uh, Caleb Downs, first-team All-American freshman. Coached Kool-Aid McKinstry, first-team All-American, projected first-round pick. Coached Terry and Arnold, first-team All-American. I mean, first-rounder. <laughs> first-rounder. Y'all remember about, about week four, Lane Kiffin had a press conference and said, I'm not entirely sure Kevin Steele's the one calling the plays up in that booth there. It might be, might be T-Rob down there on the sideline. What do y'all, y'all think there was any truth to that now that we know Steele uh, retired? It's possible. I mean, what, what, he had a lot why, of input. why would Lane just say that out of the clear blue sky? I mean, Lane says some crazy stuff, but it's usually rooted in uh, element of truth. He's he's known to be a little bit out there, but but man, when he hit when he's on, he hits the nail right on the head. Yeah, so I, I would. That's my guess. That would be my vote is uh, Traverius Robinson, and then you still have uh, Charlie Strong on staff. Uh, is, former would Texas that be a, a maturity and age? Yeah, thing exactly. Like money. Strong, I mean, Strong could be like his consigliere. You and, know, you and, know what? Exactly. It, it's perfect. And you it's keep perfect. him on staff as a mm-hmm. defensive analyst. And that's where he's been for what a year or two. How long has yeah, Strong been back he, with Alabama? Uh, he joined staff as an analyst, and I think they'll elevate him to a position coach, right? But really, I think his role is going to be uh, have a, be a sounding board for Robinson. Again, that, that, that's just my guess because I think at this point in his career, Nick Saban doesn't want to bring somebody from outside the family. And uh, it's a it, tough adjustment. It could be somebody who has coached with Nick before, but it's not going to be like a, uh, you know, bring in a young guy like a Pete Golding or something like that. You know, I, I just I think with two, three years left in his career, he wants guys who are already in the building. Uh, Robinson is known as a really good recruiter. And so. Um, yeah, I mean, during the 2024 recruiting cycle, 
uh, he was he signed eight defensive backs and seven of them. He was the lead recruiter on seven DBs. And of those seven, I'm sorry, of those eight that he signed, seven were four stars or higher. Like this, this, this guy is the real deal. Well, if you can coach, recruit, and successfully handle DBs under the DB King, <laughs> and and that of course is Nick Saban. I mean, doesn't it seem like obvious? Like to me, it seems like if you're not going to give Robinson a chance to do it now, when are you going to do it? Um. Well, I'll tell you what, if you don't, you might lose he'll end up at Auburn. Yeah. Uh, Auburn's looking for a defensive coordinator, too. As And here's, you know, they come up with these titles, you know, different titles. Like, for instance, Robinson and Strong could be co-defensive coordinators. It's just it's a mean, moniker. It be, but, but, but Robinson would be the guy. Again, I, I, it would be a nice, like, one-two punch there, don't you think? Absolutely. It certainly worked this year in a time where that, when Alabama's offense was struggling, defense was always stepping up. But just as a name, um, Hugh Freeze's defensive coordinator, Ron Roberts, is evidently going to Florida. And, and his title, this is a new one. I hadn't heard this one. He would be the executive head coach of defense. I like that. I've never heard that before. I'll tell you what, yeah. that's pretty fancy. The executive. Hey, why? He's the executive head coach. He's just the head coach of the defense. Wasn't that similar to Kevin Steele's title here in 2008? Wasn't well, he the defensive head coach and a special assistant to the head coach in 2008? Yeah, that really has a good memory. <laughs> <laughs> I was seven years old at yeah, that time. Elephant memory. <laughs> and seven, how old are seven you now? Old, like. How old are you now? <laughs> Uh, 22. <laughs> that, there's your answer. You you could have done that 20 years ago. No. Really? You know, back in the day, it was linebacker coach, head coach, offensive line coach. Our buddy Robbie Glenn just texted me, Freddie Roach. Could he make that jump? I don't know. Maybe we can get Robbie on later in the show to advocate for uh, Freddie Roach. Russ... Bollinger will be on with us on the other side to talk. He's a Detroit guy. He will talk Michigan. And big basketball game tonight at Coleman. Brian Passink, who is the color analyst for the Crimson Tide Sports Network, will be joining us as well. And you can do. You can do. You can, too, on our app and via the phones, 205-342-9904. I'm a sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. The National Champions. They defeated the Huskies 34 to 13. And here to talk more about that and the NFL and the USFL. I'll get to that in a minute, Lars. Russ Bollinger, uh, one of my really good friends who uh, met at the uh, Combine in Indianapolis probably about a decade ago and uh, had many dinners. And we just uh, have had a, a really uh, great friendship uh, relationship for, uh, for quite a while. 
And Russ also happens to live in Detroit and played for the Lions for many years. So, Russ, how are you doing? Uh, yeah, what's, uh, how's, how's, how's the weather there? Is it, uh, is well, it it's, a- I'm, I'm, I'm sitting outside. It's about 35 degrees and raining. So it's not snowing. That's a plus. Uh, <laughs> And everybody's uh, everybody's hung over. Didn't go to work today. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yep. so give us just give us your assessment of the game last night. And uh, were you surprised by anything Michigan did or anything that Washington didn't do? Well, let me let me start uh, uh, with Washington. I'm a I'm a big fan of that program. I'm a West Coast guy originally, and uh, uh, their head coach uh, DeBear. Uh, what a great success story. And I saw one game uh, this year on TV, and that happened to be the very first Washington-Oregon game. That's the best college football game I ever saw. And, and the quarterback uh, for Washington was fabulous that night. And uh, long story short, I thought, wow, they got a good team. And next thing you know, now they're playing Michigan. And two really typical kind of different teams, you know, one plays power football run game, which is, which is Harbaugh, which is – why I love him, he's uh, you know he's old school. He's old school, which is kind of my my thing. And and the other guy's passing game. So it was the pa- it was kind of a show of passing game uh, against the run game. And uh, and Coach Harbaugh stuck to what he knows. You know that is old. That's old Bull Schembechler football here in the Rust Belt. And I, I'm a big fan of Rust Belt football. Um, as a scout and a former West Coast guy, you know, uh, there's an emphasis on football here in the state of Michigan and in the Rust Belt. And I know there is down south, too. And don't don't get me wrong there. I mean, we can compare that all day long. You know, and, and Michigan got a chance to play Alabama. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I got a lot of respect for Coach Saban and a lot of respect for Alabama football. But. You know, Michigan. This was their year, and I, I still stay in touch with uh, with a lot of my scouting friends. Uh, I might not know the personnel, but I know all the scouts, and and they were all coming through Michigan and saying, "Man, they're loaded. Um, they got at least twenty guys that are going to get drafted, not you know, guys that get actually drafted." So, Powerball had a lot of guys coming back. They were built for this season. They go 15 and 0, and I'm a huge fan of uh, of uh, Jim because he came through our training camp in 2001. At the end of his career as an NFL quarterback, he was towards the end, and we had a brand new coach, Marty Morningwig, and all the scouts wanted Harbaugh to be our court. We we couldn't we didn't care he couldn't run. We just wanted a tough guy, and uh, you know, and when he was with Chicago, he beat us a lot. Um, and he he's that kind of you know he's 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 not that uh, CEO type that is very popular now in in college and in pro football. He's the old school throwback coach uh, with dumb stories, motivational techniques, stuff like that. And uh, and I think the people here in our, Ann Arbor, um, and I live real close by. Uh, you know, I think uh, with all the pr- problems they had this year, you know, they overcame a lot of stuff. And uh, I think their motto was, you know, Michigan against everybody uh, versus everybody, which was pretty much true. Uh, but if you notice what 
like what I saw last night was power football. And at first, Washington was really competing, but they, you know, power football is built to wear you down. And, uh, and uh, they wore them down. And I think the defense just really played well against a really good quarterback. I mean, you can say what you want. That, that kid, you know, he was making plays, and then the defense just rose to the occasion. And then, you know, when you have two running backs that have over 100 yards, um, you know, it really kind of shocked me because I hadn't really seen Edwards do much this year. And, uh, you know, that that uh, that second-gear speed was unbelievable. He was just running away from DBs who had angles on him. And you don't see that much. And, and he's a powerful guy. Um, it's just fun for an old offensive lineman to watch because I grew up with that style of football and nowadays as we all know the, the passing game take took over basically when fantasy football started going wild it just the passing game just seemed to increase everywhere and i get it um i'm an old high school quarterback i i, I understand that but uh it was fun because uh you know there was there's a lot of people here in michigan who were wanting to get rid of uh coach harbaugh and i know he just got a new agent and he uh you know He's going to look at the NFL. He's, he's kind of sitting pretty, and it's just a good family. I know his dad. I know his brother. Just They're Rust Belt football, and, and I'm proud to be part of that. You know, I was never a big Michigan fan one way or the other, but uh, this year I just started right root for, you know, as so, soon as uh, Jim started having all those problems with the, the suspensions and stuff like that. So – I'm, I'm thinking now that this is a big football team. They got big, they got size, talent, and now you're going to make them angry. <laughs> so I'm I'm happy for the folks at, at Michigan. We we definitely got a lot to unpack here, and you are the okay. you're, you're the right guy to do this. Sorry, right. you, you you played All in right. the NFL offensive line for uh, nearly a decade, nearly three decades as a scout. You've spent a lot of time in Tuscaloosa. Um, gosh, you even talked to uh, my classes before. Absolutely. Yeah, that, yeah, was, a, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of Lars Anderson. Oh, well, Professor, Dave. Professor, <laughs> Professor Anderson. <laughs> Were you surprised in the national national semifinal game that Michigan up front, kind of on both sides of the ball, they were able to push Alabama around? You know, um, I, I wasn't – I guess I was surprised. I mean, let's face it, Saban plays good football, uh, and, and especially on that side of the ball. That's his deal. Always has, always will. He's got good players. But um, there was that extra incentive, incentive with Michigan this year for me, you know, with all the stuff that went on, and then he had all those guys coming back to put the year together. He was able to keep enough guys healthy. But, I mean, guys were making plays last night uh, that also made plays against Alabama. You know, that, that was just a tremendous game. Uh, you know, and I, I'm i a big fan of Alabama's quarterback. I mean, that's the kind of guy I like. You know, and it, he, he's probably not the most accurate passer, but he did throw a big a big bomb against Auburn and, and pulled him out of that one. So the guy is dangerous and uh, good really good quarterback um so it was a evenly matched team you know you go out to the west coast uh and play in the in the rose bowl which was you know as a kid growing up that was that was my dream and uh it's i 
as far as them pushing around Alabama, uh, that offensive line that they have, and if you notice, uh, you know, I got a chance to play with John Robinson, who was power football at USC. And when I went to the Rams late in my career, it was his first year, and he described power football. And what he says now is is interesting because I was I, I had a chance to play with Billy Sims with the Lions, who was a fabulous running back, and we played power football with Billy. Uh, we weren't any good until Billy got on the team. He was there five years, and he got hurt. Uh, should be in the Hall of Fame, but probably won't be because he didn't play long enough. But John Robinson said about power football, he goes, the definition is is we might not, you know, run the ball very well in the first quarter, the second quarter, and the third quarter, but we're going to keep running the ball, and we might not get enough first downs in the first quarter, second quarter, third. But on in in the fourth quarter, we're going to wear down that defense, and the defensive line will not be able to <clears throat> to raise their arms because they're going to be so beat up. And I really felt like uh, the big guys uh, from Ann Arbor really wore Washington down last night, and then they wore down Alabama. And physically, um, you know, I don't want to get any controversy here on, on strength coaches because a lot of them are my friends, but I really believe the guy at Michigan is, is one of the better strength coaches in the country, and he he's, has been. He's been at Arkansas and Wisconsin, played at Wisconsin. Uh, and I, I just feel like in that fourth quarter – you know, that's when the dominance came. And in, when you play power football, that's what happened last night. And the guys from Washington were worn down. I think the guys from Alabama were worn down. Um, and, and not too many coaches have uh, the patience uh, that Harbaugh has uh, to, to, you know, not start throwing the ball when the game gets close. He keeps running the ball because he's trying to wear down the opponent. And that's what happened. And you won't see that a lot anymore. Uh so it's fun for me, for an old school guy to watch that. Speaking of old school, when we get back, I got to ask you about playing for the Memphis Showboats. <laughs> I love it. Because Memphis, yes, Memphis and Birmingham did not like each other at all. No, no, that's true. Yeah. That's cool. No. Matt was... The play-by-play radio. Well, I was, I, oh. I covered, they were on my beat, but uh, yeah, I'm up there well, in age. I'm up there with your age, Russ. Okay. Well, I tell you what, that was the, the greatest experience of my life. I got to play for the Memphis Showboats. Uh, cool. Twelve games, and uh, Pepper Rogers was the coach, and he was the most yeah. fun ever. Let's, yeah, let's talk about. Can, can you hang out for another right. segment? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm All right. awesome. Cool. The original USFL. We'll talk with Russ about that as you continue to listen to Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage. On the next Inside the Locker Room with Coach Wimp Sanderson and Barry Sanderson. Tune in Tuesday uh, 7.30. We'll have Kevin Skarbinski on. We'll look at the Michigan-Washington game. We'll also have Coach Jack Crow on at 8. We'll break down that game as well. And also look at the Alabama Crimson Tide and what they need to do to improve next season. Inside the Locker Room, weekdays 7 to 9 a.m. on Tide 100.9 and Tide100.9.com. This is a special... Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, 
Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa. The weather. A cold and windy afternoon, mostly cloudy. Temperatures settling into the mid to upper 40s. Tonight, clearing with a low at 32. A brighter day tomorrow, a good supply of sunshine, the high 48. Thursday, partially sunny and warmer, the high at 59. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 51 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Our guest is Russ Bollinger, who played nine, ten years pro football. One year, one of those years, though, was with the USFL on the Memphis Showboats. And that's when I'd first gotten into television. I was covering these teams, and it was just a blast. And you played for the Memphis Showboats. And here I am reading your bio. It says actor, broadcaster, playwright, sports writer, NFL scout, NFL player. But the one thing that popped off the page to me is you played for Pepper Rogers. Which, uh, first of all, just take a minute and talk about Pepper Rogers because he was unique to the world of coaching football. Absolutely. What a character. Really good football coach, and I I was aware of. <clears throat> I grew up in uh, Central Coast of California, and I was uh, uh, Mark Harmon was an option quarterback. Pepper Rogers brought the option football game to the UCLA, which had never really been on the West Coast, and he had a lot of success. And Mark Harmon was his quarterback, and uh, I got to do some movie business with Mark Harmon later in life. What a great guy! You know, who's, who's, uh, was it his grandfather or his father? I guess it was his father that played at Michigan. Yeah. Long story short, Pepper, uh, one, uh, a fellow by the name of John Banizak and myself were two veteran, uh, NFL players and he wanted to bring some, sprinkle in some veteran guys. And I was between contracts with the Rams uh, towards the end of my career, and they didn't want to sign me to the beginning of the year. And I said, well, that means Big Rusty's a free agent. I'm going to check out this USFL, which one of the greatest decisions I ever made. I got to go play for Pepper down in Memphis, and I'd never lived in the South. You know, I'd played some football games down there. really never got a chance to, to, to get familiar with the South. And when my wife and I just love Memphis. Uh, they treated us so kind. And Pepper was the, the very motivational, uh, game, you know, a lot of gimmicks to get you fired up. And the players loved them. Um, we, you know, trained at a little college there in Memphis called Rhodes College. Uh, we ate with the student, <laughs> student body <laughs> breakfast in the morning. That was crazy. But he was, uh, you know, we had some talent now, uh, you know. Uh, Reggie White. <laughs> Re- Reggie Reggie was young. And that Marcus was his, Dupree? Did you Marcus, Marcus Dupree? Marcus Dupree, yeah. Uh, I, I just remember uh, our quarterback was Mike Kelly from Georgia Tech, I believe. Uh, and uh, his nickname was Killer, Ke- Killer Kelly. And I'm thinking, oh, 
So, you know, I'm fairly new to the team when I joined it. And I said, Keller, I got to ask you a question, dude. What, you know, are you a trained killer? What, what's the deal with Killer Kelly? I get it. And he said, no, dude, Killer Weed. <laughs> and I said, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, you know, Mike was a great guy. But Mike, you know, back in that day, you know, you know that was his uh, uh, drug of choice where mine was alcohol. And I said, Mike, we're going to get along. I, you know, I got a lot of buddies out in California do that. We, but I didn't know he was playing on it because there was one game where he lined up underneath me at right guard as the quarterback, and I had to wave him off. Said, Mike, you got the wrong ass right here, boy. Damn. And I, he, I said, Mike, got to quit doing that. We before the game, you do it after the game. And what a neat guy, and he was a good quarterback. Uh, God, I can't remember the quarterback that also played from Alabama. It was Walter Lewis. Walter was awesome. What you know? Talk about night and day killer. killer yeah, you're weed. exactly Walter right. Was a very religious, and I love Walter. And you know they, uh, coach, uh, coach played them both. You know what I'm saying? And we had a really big running back that uh, also I uh, can't remember his name. Uh, God, we had we had talent. Um, Matt, do you, do you now know why Russ is one of my greatest sources well, of all just, time? <laughs> I just love to sit down and drink several beers with you. It just oh, seems yeah. like it'd be a lot uh, of fun. Nah, that's, you know, that that's why I fell in love with scouting um, because, you know, you when I got into scouting in 1994, I was on the first original scouting staff with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Tom Coughlin was the head coach GM, and he wanted to hire guys that had never been scouts. He wanted college uh, recruiting coordinators only. He hired a staff of seven guys uh, that were all recruiting coordinators. And... Uh, you know, and, and he pushed us around pretty well, you know, and I was an old, I was 40 years old at the time and, and I'd played 10 years in the league and of course coach Coughlin had, uh, you know, had coached, he was just coming out of Boston college and, and, uh, you know, and he's old school, you know, he, he's, uh, all dressed up and, and he starts punking me a lot and I'm going, Oh, this ain't going well. You know, I, I like coach God. I told him one time, I said, coach, I like you a lot, but man, you, you know, you, you abuse me like a, you know, an 18 year old kid that's a freshman at your college area. I said that I, I can't get used to that. And he said, well, you better get tougher. And so he started questioning my toughness, which was not right. But anyway, <laughs> I come home and told my wife after two years, I said, I don't know if I can sign this next contract with this guy. <laughs> I might, you know, get in a wrestling match with him and choke him out. And that's the head coach. Uh, and my said, well, you, you better find another job before you do that because you'll never work in the industry again. She was right. So I, I jumped back with the Lions, which was great. Uh, I, I just love the people in Detroit, which, which by the way, the, the, the rumor now is, you know, Michigan's won the national championship. And the Lions got a chance to be in the Super Bowl. And if we win that, I told all my friends from California, you guys will be moving here. To, you know, this will be the first time people move to Michigan. Um, oh, gosh, I didn't just, think about that. About nobody can visit me. Yeah, lions and, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. No, this is, this is, uh, this, this is rare what's going on. I'm, I'm really proud of the Lions. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Ford family and I'm so happy that they finally had some success. Uh, you know, and I worked for them nine years as a scout and seven as a player. Uh, you know, and we had our tough time. You know, it's, it's like I had a teammate just tell me the other day, Russell, great guys, great talent, just unfortunate. You know, this the happenstance of not ever getting in the playoffs. You know, just never pulling it off. And I think, guys, I, I, I really believe here now that I'm almost 70, you know, and been around the NFL for 35 years, 
Uh, and w- what you see down at Alabama is leadership. You know, Coach Saban's a leader, period. Um, and uh, and he gets people. He can talk to the players every day, which is a rare quality for any human being to motivate people every day, every day, every day. Uh, he knows how to push buttons, and I think Harbaugh's the same way. And what happens with you know the guys that fail in the NFL is they can't do that. Um, and it's it's really hard with today's players, r- really hard because they're basically millionaires. What you do you know? think of uh, uh, Dan Campbell? head coach of the Lions. Absolutely love him. Absolutely love Dan. I scouted him. He's exactly what he was as a player. He's old school. He'll fight you every play. He'll block you. He's a tight end that's not, you know. Did he have a dip in when he played? Yeah, he always, yeah, he dipped. Yeah, you know, it was funny. He had long hair, but he was, you know, he had some, some of that redneck quality of dipping, and I was a big dip myself, and. You know, the moment he said, we're going to bite kneecaps, I count me in, coach. I'll do whatever, you know. You know, because the, the city of Detroit is blue collar, and, and they take a lot of lumps now. We take a lot of abuse here. Uh, you know, my friends in California give me a hard time about living here, and we just can't leave because of the people. Um, just love the people of Detroit. You know, you got all the European cultures here. Everybody has their own style. And uh, and I get along with everybody. Um, so it, it's just uh, uh, it's been fun. But back to uh, Memphis, uh, we were good. We had a good team, and I'll never ever forget this. Uh, we're coming back from Portland, and we're out in Portland, and uh, we win a close game. And uh, I'd never played in Portland because, you know, there wasn't an NFL team there. And it's basically a baseball stadium. And, you know, and, and it's, you know, just unique. And we beat Portland. Uh, I forget they were the Blazers or whatever. And we're breakers. coming back on the plane. From, yeah, the Breakers uh, from uh, from Portland. And, uh, and, and Pepper was really excited because we were starting to have success. And he might have got into the sauce a little bit. And uh, he had this old uh, uh, airplane, you know, pilot hat, the leather, like a leather hat type they used to wear <laughs> with the goggles. Yeah. He put that on, started singing you know, off into the blue, uh, blue, blue wander or whatever it was. And we were all get having beers. You know, Pepper was really good about feeding us beer. Now I'll tell you what, because it was hotter than hell there, and we'd start, we'd get there at six in the morning, where we'd be done by noon before it got real hot. Right at noon, he brought the beer out. <laughs> awesome. So all the old guys, we stuck around till three and told our wives, like, yeah, we lifted weights and uh, you know, we get home around six o'clock. And we had a pretty good buzz going, you know. And my wife says, I like it better when you come home after a showboat practice. I said, yeah, we practice hard, honey. <laughs> Great stuff. But, uh, we got to get yep. to the top of the hour. You know the business. Okay. Um, very much appreciate your time, and uh, I'm not going to let this Love. go by. We're going to do this again yeah, very, soon. Do very soon. Yeah, Thanks. please. Thanks, yeah, my I'm friend. available. Uh, I'm retired, and uh, I got plenty of free time. You got a lot of stories. A lot Good. Of stories. Okay. I look forward right. to nice it. Nice talking to you guys. Have All fun. Right. And hey, hey shout out to the people down in Mobile there at the, the Senior Bowl. Those lovely people for 25 years. I 
hung out down there. With Actually, folks. we should have you on before the senior bowl yeah. so you can kind of give oh, us how, how it all that's works. Good. Especially and, since uh, your years with scouting. That's yeah. that's cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks, it's been a blast. Yep. Yeah, God bless you guys. You too, you. as well. Uh, Got to get to the top of the hour. You listen to Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Tensing, Union Home Mortgage. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a Town Square media station. Tide 100.9 and screening on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Kevin Wired. Major developing news in the NFL as the Tennessee Titans have announced they have fired head coach Mike Vrabel. This comes after he had a difficult stretch over the last couple seasons where they just went 6-18 and and 1-9 in AFC South Division games. Other NFL news, Adam Schefter saying that Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin ruling out T.J. Watt for Pittsburgh's playoff matchup against the Buffalo Bills this weekend. He's been previously diagnosed with a grade three MCL sprain. The Dolphins, according to NFL Network, signing veteran pass rusher Justin Houston to bolster their defensive line depth heading into the postseason. In the NBA, Tyrese Halliburton carried off the court against the Celtics last night because of a hamstring issue and an MRI, according to ESPN, revealed that it is a grade one left hamstring sprain. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Presented by Haley Sensing, Union Home Mortgage. Just looking up some more statistics and information from last night's 34-13 win. Michigan wins the national championship over the Huskies. Uh, you may not like Harbaugh, you may not like the way they got there, the scandals and all, but when it comes to between the lines, Michigan's the best team in college football in 2023, now slash 24. Where they move forward now, I don't think Harbaugh, I, I think he's probably already talking with, I was almost going to say San Diego, <laughs> but he's already talking with the Chargers. He, he wanted that national championship, now he wants a Super Bowl. Yeah, it's pretty incredible because after the 2020 season, which was the COVID year, Michigan went two and four and it looked at the time that Harbaugh could be fired and didn't get fired. And now over the past three seasons, I think you could make the argument that Michigan has been as consistently dominant as any team in college football, beaten Arch, uh, beaten Ohio State three times in a row. Won the Big Ten Championship, qualified for the playoffs each year, and now they finally get to the point where they lift the big trophy. And as you and I were talking before the show, Matt, one of my good friends who's an author has been with the Michigan team all year. And uh, this all goes back to uh, five or six guys at Michigan who decided to return this season instead of going to the NFL draft. And uh, who knows what role NIL played in that. But nonetheless, these guys were all the, the leaders of the team. And once the uh, most important players on your team decide to come back when they could have gone off to the NFL, that suddenly infuses the entire building with a sense of urgency, a sense of responsibility, a sense of accountability, 
And man, they just talked about it all year. And, uh, and, and my friend was just saying, there's something going on here in Ann Arbor. This is different. This is different. And I think we saw that play out both against Alabama and Washington. I do want to say one year from now, one year from today, guess what's going to be happening? On 1-9-2025. one 9 I'm going to have to just go ahead and uh, give it to me. National semifinals, baby. January 9th is the Orange Bowl. January 10th is the Cotton Bowl. CFP Championship is going to be January 20th. First round next year. First round begins December 20th with one game. December 21st, we're going to have three games at the home sites. Then you got the quarters, December 31 at the Fiesta Bowl. Then January 1 in the quarters, you got the peach, you got the rose, and you got the sugar. And then January 9, one year from today, got the Orange Bowl. January 10, got the Cotton Bowl. January 20th, played in the ATL. National Championship. How much fun is that going to be next yeah, year? Yeah, when you just mentioned it now, I just thought about all the television possibilities. I wonder oh, why man. they do the 1-3 instead of a 2-2. Two, two. You understand is, what I mean? Is the 20th maybe a Sunday? Is there an NFL? 20th is a Friday. That's also currently How do you know that off the top day. of your head? What yeah, are you, that, crazy? that is like uh, Rain Man stuff Golly. going on. I, uh, I, I've been looking over this for the past week ever okay. since we lost that Rose Bowl. It's like December 20th. I, if we play on December 20th, I will be there. I will not miss that game. Okay, Boy, how fun that, that, that be? Because home, you scared me a little bit, a to be honest. Home playoff with. game. A home playoff game. Bryant Denny is going to absolutely explode the first time they host a college football playoff game here in Tuscaloosa. And that's that's the way to open it up. So. I, isn't it exciting? Isn't it exciting to talk about? Yeah. Man, I got a little giddy. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah, but just watching that, I'm now just realizing in a year we'll be watching those games. Man, probably going to have to uh, seek detox after all that. I mean, that's the thing. Um, The playoffs are going to go on for a month. We get a month of great college football. Kind of like NCAA. Division two basketball. No, I know. Sorry, basketball lasts over a month, and it's cool because you got something to look forward to all the time. Um, a good topic. I like that. Right. Anyway, uh, one other thing, one other note that I don't think we went through in the first hour, but I think it is significant, is that uh, there were only two turnovers in that football game last night. Both Penix picks. And um, that had a had a I big think, difference, especially the one he throw one coming out of the gate in the third quarter. I think the D line, Michigan's D line, got him rattled. And there was one throw on a fourth down. Help me out, where the wide receiver is cutting open. Looked like it could have been a touchdown, and Penix just missed it. I swear he, he missed not, it. Bad. He has not missed that throw all year long. Was that early in the ball game when Romo yeah. Dunes had to twist his body and yes. try to catch that? Yeah, yeah he'd have walked in had Penix put that on him. Yeah, I think it was fourteen three at that point. So. Could have been fourteen ten. Totally different dynamic, and then. Uh, if they score, you know, if everything holds to form, it could have been up 17-14 going into the half and then getting the ball first to start the second half. Ah, 
really is a game of inches. Truly is. But uh, you got Michigan. They are the national champs. And there's a certain part of me. I'm not a big Michigan fan now. I, th- I think I was maybe back when Bo was there and since. First of all, I'll fight anybody that says they're not one of the best-looking uniforms in all of college football. Those helmets. Sure. I mean, that's it's unique, literally. I, just, I, I hate the whole concept of a Michigan man, though. It, it, that is so pretentious and just drives me nuts. What You mean like a Michigan I'm a man? man. It's, I'm, I'm Michigan, and Jer- I'm a man, and yeah. that means I'm a better than any other type of yeah. man. Yeah, and uh, you know, Jim Harbaugh is like, I'm going to be buried a Michigan man now. All right. Uh-oh. Good for you. Oh. Well, he may be buried a Charger, ma'am. Although we'll the last see how that two works. times Michigan's played Alabama, it was Tom Brady's final college football game. Overtime, Orange Bowl. Brady threw for like yeah. 400. And 390 of them came in the last part of the game. <laughs> yeah. Gee, did he go on and accomplish that in the National Football League? Yeah. Um, I still don't understand what he had the greatest game of his college career, that final game against Alabama, yeah. and he doesn't go to the sixth round, the sixth 199th round. pick. Like, just because the guy ran like a five foot or, or five, uh, nine forty, like your grandma can run faster than that, but who cares? It's all he about can operate in short space, you know, and leadership. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, we, Joe Montana, who many would consider one of the best ever, I don't think he was taken to like the fourth or fifth round. Third. Third? Mm-hmm. What do you? Now, I'm surrounded by rain men. <laughs> Not Michigan men, rain men. We'll be back, and uh, Brian Passink, who is a color analyst for Crimson Tide Sports Network, will be with us in a minute as Alabama takes on South Carolina tonight at Coleman. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A cold and windy afternoon, mostly cloudy. Temperatures settling into the mid to upper 40s. Tonight, clearing with a low at 32. A brighter day tomorrow, a good supply of sunshine, the high 48. Thursday, partially sunny and warmer, the high at 59. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 52 degrees in Tuscaloosa. More big noon sports coming up. Big Noon Sports, sponsored in part by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker. Joined now by Brian Passink. Brian, I was looking through, after I saw that South Carolina was 13-1, my eyes bugged a little bit. Then I dialed up their schedule. Um, They lost to Clemson. But their victories have been over uh, Charleston Southern, Winthrop, Elon, Florida A&M. Not the most impressive schedule. But then I look, and they opened with a win against Mississippi State. So they're 1-0 in the SEC, 68-62. This is a long way of asking you a question. Is Clemson any good? I mean, excuse me, South Carolina. I think so. I mean, listen, you have radically different scheduling philosophies. Uh, between Nate Oates and Lamont Paris, and really Nate Oates and, and several uh, SEC coaches, Alabama's we've talked about uh, year in and year out, if not the number one overall strength of schedule in college basketball, right, right there. And I think 
it's been the last two or three years that Alabama has had the toughest non-conference schedule in the country. And, uh, I mean, listen, the results speak for themselves. Alabama's won four championships. You know, when you combine SEC regular season and tournament championships uh, in the last three years, couple of sweet 16s, and that doesn't come from uh, having a, a gaudy-looking record in the non-conference. It comes from challenging yourself and preparing yourself uh, for SEC play. Uh, but I'll tell you this, uh, South Carolina, uh, Ole Miss, although they have not had the most difficult non-conference schedules, they've been two of the big surprises in the SEC. And the win over Mississippi State on Saturday uh, in Columbia, South Carolina, got my attention uh, because while they have not played nearly the schedule Alabama has, uh, they, they – came out of uh, in SEC play with an impressive win over a really good Mississippi State team. You know, I thought Coach Oates' comments after the win uh, at Vanderbilt on Saturday night, again, 78-75, were really revealing, like more so than usual. Uh, he said, hey, we're up 33-15, up 18, we're humming along, playing well in the first 10 minutes, then the ball quit moving. Guys got a little bit selfish. Interesting word, in my opinion. We didn't score in the last four minutes. Driving into double teams and the tight quarters, turned the ball over 16 times. Is this, and, and then he used the word wake-up call. He hopes it's a wake-up call, especially for guys like Estrada, Nelson, right, who are just uh, getting into, it was their first SEC game. Were you surprised just by the, the, the candor of Nate Oates, or is he always that way? I am never surprised by the candor of Nate Oates. Uh, he, he, is, he is as honest as any coach in the country, and I appreciate that about him. And listen, while you know he, he had some pretty pointed comments about what happened when you're up 18 and you, know, you let your foot off the gas and maybe lose focus on both ends of the floor, um, that doesn't change the fact that, well, you know, he, he made the comments about maybe there was some selfish play, you know, in, in, in that span. Um, you know, this is an unselfish basketball team. Uh, and just, you know, because maybe a guy or two was, uh, maybe, you know, looking, took some quick shots or, or maybe should have found an open man. That doesn't change the fact that, that, uh, this Alabama team on the offensive end has been the best in college basketball. The stats back this, that up. Uh, they are unselfish, and, and even though, you know, you go through ups and downs uh, over the course of the season, over the course of the game, I really like where this team is offensively, obviously. And then, you know, a guy like Aaron Estrada, who's been um, playing his best basketball. I mean, he's he's uh, flirted with a cu- triple-double a couple games ago, um, you know, ha- almost had one, was one assist away. He's doing it all. I mean, he's he's scoring in double digits. Uh, rebounding the ball at the guard position at a, at a high level, um, finding open teammates. Um, so he, he, he's, he's doing so much for this team. Um, uh, but I, you know, I think Alabama obviously, uh, against a, a Vanderbilt team that you were heavy favorite against, even though Memorial Gym in Nashville historically is a very difficult place to play for Alabama and, and much of the SEC. Uh, it, it hasn't been too tough for Nao's team. I, I think he's 4-0 now. Uh, in Nashville, but, uh, th- th- this team did not play its best. Uh, and I think they did let their foot off the gas and, and all these games are learning opportunities, win, lose, or draw. And you love to have 
learning opportunities and a win, especially in the league and on the road. Mark Sears is the real constant that runs through the Crimson Tide. Just talk a little bit about his game. I've loved to watch him grow. And now he's the man. And Lars asked me the other day, and I'll pass along the question to you, has this guy got NBA talent? Well, I mean, he, he's playing as well as anybody in the SEC. Second team all SEC a year ago, preseason second team. Uh, and he's looking like a player of the year candidate. Uh, there's not many guys in college basketball playing it as high level as Mark Sears right now. And I, I do think he's got a, a chance to, to play at the next level. Um, but right now, I, I sure am enjoying what he's doing in an Alabama uniform. Uh, he was quick and explosive and and, you know, strong a year ago. In all those areas, he's drastically improved. I mean, his explosiveness and strength around the basket at six, whatever he is, six feet, six one, his ability to score in traffic, uh, take contact, get to the free throw line. Uh, he has been playing so well. And uh, that's important for this team uh, to have guys, you know, veteran guys. You don't have many guys back with experience uh, from a year ago. He's one of them. Uh, and he's playing as well as anybody. I've always uh, been fascinated with Grant Nelson. Uh, even when he's back at North Dakota State, I actually follow North Dakota State basketball, believe it or not. And uh, he just absolutely tore it up there from 2020-2023. Transfers to Alabama. Uh, expectations are really high. 6'11", can shoot. Uh, where, where are we in the development of Grant Nelson and just uh, his acclimation to SEC basketball and, and just really elite, you know, top level Division One basketball? Yeah, I mean, he's one of the best, I think, most talented players in the SEC. He's been up and down on the offensive end, and it is a little different uh, playing at the mid-major level as opposed to high-major basketball and especially when you play the schedule that Alabama has. I think it will prepare not only Grant, but the rest of his team uh, as you get into the heart of SEC play. Uh, but he can, at 6'11", can really handle the ball. He's quick, he's athletic, can get to the basket. Uh, needs to become a more consistent three-point shooter. I know he's working on it. And nowhere do you have the green light more uh, than playing for Nate Oates in Alabama. So he's going to get his opportunities. I know he's put the work in. Uh, and I think uh, when he starts adding that to his game, uh, he's going to become very, even more difficult to stop on the offensive end. But at 6'11", he can block shots. He's a versatile defender. Uh, and he is a matchup nightmare because at his height, he handles the ball like a guard. He's a good decision maker with the ball in his hands. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing him get better and better as the year progresses. Who are uh couple other guys that you see potential in and, and let me focus in maybe on on first year guys well i mean first year in the alabama program you got a you got a bunch and i love the way they earn estrada's coming on um you know I'll, if you would if, if you wouldn't have said first year guys i would have said rylan griffin uh so i'll at least mention his name even though he's he, he's not a first year guy sam walters is, is gaining more confidence he's getting more minutes uh, he's getting better defensively, but he's as good a shooter as there is in the SEC. Uh, at six nine, can get his shot off. So uh, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of guys that that I think uh, will get better as the year progresses, and that that's what I like about this team. You, you look at so many so many new guys. Uh, it's 
you know, it's high, whether it's high school, whether it's transfer portal, um, they they are getting better. They're getting better on the defensive end, and when they get uh, and when they get better on that end of the floor, and Sam Walters is a great example. He's a freshman. He's six nine. Uh, he 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 hasn't really ever had to guard, uh, which is the case for a lot of high school players. Uh, but he's bought in. He wants to be good on that end of the floor, uh, and I think he's going to get better and better. And uh, Mohamed Wagi, the transfer from West Virginia, uh, such an important player um, on the interior. He's had a tendency to get in foul trouble in some of these non-conference games, but he's going to play a key role as well. He just has to stay on the floor, but a really good rebounder and defender. Brian, on the national scene, and you've seen, you, you've been courtside because Alabama's played them, uh, a bunch of the top three, four teams in the country. Who would you say is kind of the team to beat or maybe two teams to beat right now? Well, I mean, it, it's it's hard to say. I mean, Arizona and Purdue, I mean, they, they've been number one in the country a lot of the year. Um, you know, I think both of those teams are as good as anybody. I've seen Kansas, not in person, but on TV. Uh, Kentucky has a chance to, to be uh, in that in that area, the SEC with Tennessee. I mean, there's so many good teams around the country, um, but it's it's hard to beat uh, Arizona, Purdue. Uh, having seen them up close, I, I think those both of those teams are national championship worthy. But uh, it's going to be fun watching conference play as, as teams kind of get into it uh, this time of year. It's a great time of year for college basketball, and maybe see who. Uh, is able to separate themselves a little bit and improve. And, um, you know, looking forward to, to watching the league and the SEC and hopefully Alabama. I think they'll have a chance to be one of those top teams. But if you're a top team in the SEC, then you got a chance to, to make some serious noise in March. And I, I think Alabama will be one of those teams. Brian, have a great broadcast. I know that you will. And, um, I will actually be watching your daughter play at Mountain Brook tonight. So, uh, I'll make sure and pull for him as every <laughs> papa would do. All right. Pull well, for her. well I, I I appreciate it. I wish I could be two places at once. Yeah, so I big night of hoops. Hey, thanks, Brian. Talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. All right. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Um, we got to talk we... about the AP poll. Like, are you kidding me? AP mean... poll came out at 1:45 this morning. We got to we got to discuss. I haven't even taken a look at it, so you can just kind of bounce it off me. If you want to. This is Big Noon Sports. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. It is Big Noon Sports. Brought to you in part by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker. Taking phone calls to the top of the hour. We can also... Take your questions, comments via the Tide 100.9 app. So download that and then you can communicate through messaging. And in the meantime, we're going to communicate with Robbie Glenn, former Alabama baseball player, who wanted to chime in basketball. How are you, Robbie? Hey, what's going on, Matt? Lars, how y'all doing? Fantastic. We're doing great. Doing great. How are you doing, buddy? Uh, a little tired, you know, it's, uh, Striker's been going through some issues being sick, but it's that time of the year where everybody's sick, so it's got us a little worried, keeping him away from everybody, but, uh, hopefully he's on the mend and we'll, uh, get some sleep tonight and he'll be better, so. Well, what but was your, okay. 
Uh, well, that's good. Good to hear, man. It's uh, I, I know uh, what you and your wife go through on a day in, day out basis, and uh, uh, we'll we'll get into uh, information about Striker at the end here. But hey, you're uh, before we get into Alabama basketball, just your uh, analysis of um, we haven't had a chance to talk to you about. Alabama, Michigan, and then Michigan, Washington. So why don't we start with Alabama, Michigan? Were you surprised by that result? Yeah, a little bit. I thought we, you know, we had it when we went up there in the second half and and had that long punt and downed it at the one, which he almost went in the end zone when we made that big hit. But I was shocked they came back, drove all the way, and then it kind of made me nervous going into overtime. Like everybody, it just it looked like just Michigan had a, a game plan to to get us confused, and I hate it because I think we would have done the same thing to Washington uh, that they did. I think we would have lined up and beat them too, confused them. But it is what it is. Congratulations to Michigan. They win it, and on to next year. And I heard you about to talk about the rankings. I don't even want to get That's just bull crap, but (laughs) that's a whole other thing. Well, yeah, no, I did want to get this from uh, Matt. Um, all right, so Michigan is one. Okay. Washington is two. All right. So you tell me who three, four, and five are. Um, three, four, and five are. Um, Georgia. Um, yeah, Georgia three. Uh, yeah, I mean, they probably have Texas, Alabama. Well, Texas, Al- Texas, Georgia, Alabama. Okay. I mean, Texas beat Alabama, so I, I, I can understand that. Puts that. them back. But Alabama beat Georgia, right? Yeah. And Alabama nearly beat Michigan. Alabama played Michigan a heck of a lot closer than Washington played Michigan. I mean, I, I think you make the argument that Alabama should be three. Uh, yeah. Certainly four, and I, I I have no idea what the AP voters were thinking. No idea. And that's why. But you know what, Robbie? It doesn't matter anymore. That's but it, but, it, but it, it is. Uh, I think that is it, uh, Alabama fatigue. It is. It's one more slap in Alabama's face, and I I think that was just all that was. Because you look at last year, TCU got trucked. I mean, just got beat down and didn't drop at all. Nobody moved in the top four. And those games were horrible in the fight. Like, Bama lost in overtime, and they dropped behind Georgia. Yeah, Georgia beat Florida State, but they lost head-to-head. That's the whole reason why Alabama didn't jump in front of Texas. But I, I just – it was just a slap. There you go, Saban. Sorry you lost. It was in overtime, but, uh, yeah, you're, you dropped the fifth. Ah, that's just – oh, well. Motivation to get ready for next year. New new coaches coming in, new players. We'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, but well, see now I hear I see another one. Maybe this is see this one's released uh, January 9th. That's today. Michigan, Washington, Texas, Georgia, Alabama. That's what you asked, right? Yeah. Right. I would say That's it's it. based on the fact that they have two losses, but so does Texas. Oh, there you go. And, and like yeah. you said a minute ago, it really doesn't matter. No, doesn't matter. All right, let's let's talk some hoops. Have you seen Alabama play a lot this year? What do you think is going to happen tonight at Coleman? Well, of course, I've been watching them like air. Well, you know, when 
are stuck inside with Stryker. You get to watch a lot, so I'm glad they've been playing. I hate they lost a couple of those big ones to Arizona, Purdue, but I mean they're legit. I mean those teams are good, but Bama just wasn't shooting good. So when they're on, they can beat anybody. The only thing that scares me tonight, and Brian gets mad at me all the time because we play golf and I'll talk, and I'm a baseball guy, but every time Bama goes against anyone with size and senior leadership and that slow it down and play more physical, that seems to frustrate Bama. And if they can't hit those shots from outside, where do they get the point? How are you going to go inside on South Carolina when, I mean, I'm not a South Carolina guru. I saw their 13-1, but they got some guys at 270, 265, 7'6", 6'9", 6'10". Those are some big dudes on the inside. So if you're not hitting your shots on the outside, how are you going to get those points in when those guys are very, I'm sure they're just going to box you out. It, it takes a lot to get through those guys. And we've been known not to do that. San Diego State last year, uh, Purdue this year, but, you know, they, Purdue does that to everybody with him. Um, I'm just interested to see how they do that. Back in front of a home crowd, I hope it's packed. Students are back. Oh, it's loud, energetic, and then we do something. And what have you thought about the play of Mark Sears? So far this year, Matt and I have uh, kind of gone back and forth on this and just uh, what a pleasant surprise, uh, just how well he has grown into uh, basically the number one scoring option. Yeah, he is, and, I, and I'm glad he came back, and I made, made a good decision. He's come back as a leader. He's taken over, um, and he's you know leading the SEC or in second right now, or he's leading it. I can't remember, uh, but... I want him to cut down on his turnover still a little bit. He does get careless with the ball, some errant passes, but other than that, the man's shining. I mean, he is, I mean, he's showing up every game. He's, he, he's getting on the floor. He's doing what he has to do. I just, like I said, just watch the turnovers, um, and get these other guys shooting and playing well like him. Yeah, we'll be fine. I just, I just, I hope, I hope we keep developing and getting, getting there and this team will be dangerous hey before we let you go robbie give us an update on alabama as we've now gotten into 2024 the major league level pitchers and catchers report in like 30 days um alabama's gonna start loosening up here too real soon as well yeah i can't wait and you saw what what kind of uh fall they had i mean yeah they they beat auburn and florida state and with the long ball so they got some bats they got some pitchers uh, new coach, new energy. I'm ready to see them get going. I think they're going to be good, and they'll be tested right away when they uh, get on the road in a in a big tournament. I um, also want to see the softball. The the new fat, you know, bounce is not there anymore, so let's see how this era starts. I want to see how they go. And then, you know, gymnastics started out with a big win in Vegas. So all the spring sports are starting, and it, it's going to be fun. It's my time of the year now, so I'll get to talk some more to you all. Golf, everything, whatever you all want to talk about. <laughs> Let's do it. Thank you. And my, uh, our Thank best you family. And, uh, certainly Thank Skyler. You. you bet. All right. All right. Bye, y'all. All right. Thanks, Robbie. Um, hey, on the other side, Matt, we got to talk about another Matt Vrabel. Oh, um, he gone. <laughs> We will uh, talk about that and a lot more as you listen to Big Noon Sports.
Louis. Laura Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama Broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A cold and windy afternoon, mostly cloudy. Temperatures settling into the mid to upper 40s. Tonight, clearing with a low at 32. A brighter day tomorrow, a good supply of sunshine, the high 48. Thursday, partially sunny and warmer, the high at 59. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 52 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Covering SEC sports like kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. He has heard from James Spann giving us the weather. We did not get a long-range forecast. But as I was telling Lars earlier, next week, like Monday, no, Tuesday, Wednesday, 12. May I say it again? 12. It'll get down to 12 degrees. Now, see, that's Nebraska cold. That's January. <laughs> That's another day in January in yeah, the Midwest, you, man. That's probably the forecast until yeah. what? Late? Until April? Yep. Um, that's crazy. So uh, keep that in mind with your pets and your plants and uh, double check on your antifreeze, too. All Lars, right. So you uh, don't have to break. I, I said Matt Vrabel, and I butchered it, of course. It's, it's Mike Vrabel, um, who I kind of know – through our buddy Matt Finkus, because uh, Finkus was uh, uh, who we had on yesterday. He's a friend of ours, friend of longtime friend of mine. He lived with uh, Vrabel during their years together at Ohio State, and he was drafted by the Steelers. Uh, then went to um, the uh, Patriots as a free agent uh, for the 2001 season. And he goes on to become kind of Mr. Patriot. And uh, this is really one of the most incredible stats I've ever seen. You know, Vrabel, he lined up uh, as a as a fullback sometimes, even though he, he was played line. He, he switched from uh, defensive line to linebacker uh, when he went to the NFL. And he's a very versatile guy. He finished his career with 10 receptions and he just had 14 targets of those 10 receptions how many touchdowns do you think he scored i don't know they're probably specific plays that are designed for him to get the ball and probably score um what did you say 10 catches i'm gonna say four 10 he has 10 for 10 catches it's incredible i don't believe that Finishes career with 10 receptions, all for touchdowns. No way. 
No other play in NFL history has a better record of converting wow. receptions to touchdowns. I don't touchdowns. think you can have a better record. <laughs> 10 for 10. And you're probably the, the minimum has to be 10 receptions. Like or that, 10 that's touchdowns. Record Maybe it's based on touchdowns. Never be broken. But so he goes on. He, he gets into coaching. And again, like people in Boston have been talking about this for a long time that Vrabel, man, he'd be a great guy to eventually replace Belichick. And the thing is, the last game of Tom Brady's career in Foxborough as a Patriot, it was the first round of the playoffs against the Titans. What was Brady's last pass? Pick six. Uh DB, I think, I forget the name of the DB's name, but uh, 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 Jenkins maybe, but he, he ran it in for a touchdown. That ended the Brady era. And you got to think that Robert Kraft and his son Jonathan, and his son Jonathan's about ready to take over the team. But you got to think that that's sort of embedded in their psyche, right? That uh, Vrabel ended it for uh, the, the the run. And, and I know the Krafts have great affection for him. Vrabel just got fired by the Titans, which has stunned everybody. Everybody. I mean, I have never heard a player say a bad thing about Vrabel. And wouldn't surprise me if uh, if Kraft sees this as his chance to get the guy that he's always wanted. He can't believe that he's a free agent, basically. And this could usher in the demise or the end of Bill Belichick in New England. That is how I see this playing out. I'm guessing that Belichick and Kraft are going to meet at Kraft's house tonight. They'll have a couple glasses of wine, and they will figure out what they're going to do. And Belichick already has shown a little bit of weakness by saying that he will uh, give up GM responsibility because I think Belichick is like, oh, my God, I I might lose my job here. And now that Vrabel is open, it just makes too much sense. I've seen somebody propose this scenario, and it's like 99% a pipe dream here. But you have Belichick stay as the head coach. You pay Mike Vrabel head coach money to come be your defensive coordinator and head coach in waiting. Uh You bring back uh, Josh McDaniels, who has been a disgrace as a head coach. So he's not going to be commanding much money at this point. And you just... Ride it out because McDaniel's was Max was Max offensive coordinator when Mac went to the Pro Bowl as a rookie. So you get some draft capital, you bring in that coaching staff, you get Belichick one more ring, ride off into the sunset, and introduce the Mike Vrabel era in New England. You think Mac Jones is going to lead the Patriots to a Super Bowl? <laughs> never said that. <laughs> I never. I, from what I've, from the rumors I've seen and stuff like that is one of the requirements of a new general manager or a new head coach in New England is to not quite give up on Mac Jones yet to give him another fair oh. shot. Because again, the rumor is that Kraft believes that the offensive play, first off, Matt Patricia as an offensive coordinator. Horrible. Dumbest decision they could have made I mean, there. But Belichick made a series of dumb decisions. He did. He can't build a roster, which is why I think they're kind of forcing his hand into giving up think, the general manager position. I think position. the last Pro Bowl player he picked was a decade ago, and it was a freaking punter. <laughs> I mean... 
I, I think the, the the debate over who is more important, Belichick or Brady. That's over. That's, that debate. Yeah, it was so Brady. It's been resolved. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know I've, this has got to irritate Bill at Belichick. I just, uh, even though they had lousy last couple of years, I, I think Belichick's, he may be trying to hang on too long. And I hate it when players slash coaches wait too long and then you remember and we all was see it. it uh, was it Namath that ended up on the sideline with the Rams or something late? Yeah. And, uh, you know, my man Henry Aaron, who's my favorite all-time sports athlete, anyone of that nature. Jerry you Rice. Know, he with he, the he went back to Milwaukee and tried to be a DH, and um, you, you see it too often. Um, now, granted, he's not a player; he is a coach. I think so. I think Kraft is. Um, I think he's going to fire Belichick. Probably, I think tonight, tonight over wine. Yeah, that, that will there be a fist I, I fight? Just, no, I just I, I have been sort of virtually in the room when Kraft has made these decisions, right? Uh, through my relationships with people uh, close to the or in the Pats organization, and how it happened with Brady, it's going to happen the same way with Kraft or the same way with Belichick. Go to Kraft's house, try to kiss the ring. And in Brady's case, he said, I'm leaving. Kraft was stunned. But I think in Belichick's case, he's going to say, I want to stay. And Kraft said, sorry, I think it's time to move on. Was Logan Ryan the guy? Yeah, Logan Ryan. Off That's the it. Pass? Yeah, thank you. And then they ended up playing together for the Bucks. Yeah. Is That's, that a, like, yeah. That's a pretty cool story. All right. All right, Lars. Enjoyed it. We'll do this again tomorrow. 22 hours. Hats off to Wyatt, Walton, Fulton, 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 got it. <sighs> All right. Um, we thank our guests, Brian Passink and Ross Bollinger, as we continue to bring you Big Noon Sports every day, noon to two. It's Monday through Friday.